0: Say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want
1: it to be Hello everyone and welcome to a new direction my name is Jay Izzo and as i say every week i've got another great show Are you kidding me i have Dr Marty Nemco and you go The Dr Marty Nemco Yes the Dr Marty Nemco he wrote this amazing book one of the most comprehensive career books ever. It's entitled Careers for Dummies. I am so excited and so are you. You're going to be so excited about Careers for Dummies and him and Dr. Marty Nemco is, is not just a the master sommelier of careers because he's helped over 5,500 people. He is also somebody that is going to give you such great insight whether you're somebody who is going to get your career going or somebody who is Maybe you're going to think about making a career change. I'm telling you, Dr. Marty Nemco is going to walk you through and he's going to be absolutely amazing. But before we get to him, right, let's do a couple things that we always do. I need to, first of all, do the t-shirt shout out of the week. And guess I got a brand new t-shirt. Yeah, look at look at this. Southern Stone Supply. You know what? Thank you, Southern Stone Supply. You gave me a new t-shirt and we do the t-shirt shout out of the week. They're in Raleigh, North Carolina. So if you're looking to do some stonework, you know what? There's no other place to go. Go to Southern Stone and Supply. We appreciate them as well. But let's do what we do every week. Let's check in with the four areas of your life. You know how I feel. I believe that we are four-part people, right? We are physical people, mental people, emotional people, and spiritual people, right? So let's check in in each area of your life, and let's find out where you're at, All right? Physically, on a scale of 1 to ten, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, where are you at physically? Are you a three, a four, a five, a six, five, seven, eight, seven eight, eight, right? And and why, right? Yeah, we we're in pollen season here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, what we have is it comes to pollen, right? You may hear them a little nasally and stuff like that. The pollen is miserable. But maybe you've not been able to put down the fork like you should, or maybe you're in that second bag of chips, or having that you know sixth you know Mountain Dew or soda, right? So. What are you doing? How are you doing, right? You got that number, right? And, and by the way, the point of here is not to be, to go from a three to a 10. The point here is to go from like a three to a four, right? Or maybe a three to 3.5. And what can you do about it? And what can you do right now? Because you may be in a cubicle listening to this somewhere and you know what you could do? You could put down the chips, dump out the soda, do something right now to change, to make yourself a little bit better. All right, you got that first number. Second number, let's talk about yourself mentally. How are you feeding your brain, right? We got two sides to the brain. We have a right side and a left side. The right side's creative. The left side is this logical side, the Mr. Spock side. What are you doing to feed your brain, right? How are you, how are you feeding your brain with good things that can help you grow? Right? Like, this show is a great way to feed your brain because I always have amazing authors from all over the world that can help you grow and help you increase your brain and, and your brain knowledge. Right? But maybe you're taking up an instrument. Maybe you can learn a foreign language. Maybe you can do some more reading. Maybe do some great reading. Right? Right? There's so, so many ways because you know what? Here's the truth. The truth is, if you're not growing, we're dying. So, what's that number today? Scale of one to ten? Are you at the five? Six? How are you doing with the mental side? All right. You got two numbers, so let's go to the third. Emotionally, how are you doing emotionally? And emotionally what I'm saying is, how well are you able to control your emotions, first of all, and then secondly, how well are you able to relate to the emotions of others, right? And by the way, emotions are intentional, okay? We can We can be intentional, we can actually make choices about our emotions, it's up to you. It may not be always easy, depending on the circumstance, but we still always have a choice of emotions. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing emotionally, right? Got that number? Okay, we got three numbers. And then finally, how are you doing spiritually? And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know what? Spiritually, what I'm talking about is what do you have faith in, right? And we all have faith in something. When we talk to Dr. Nemco, one of the things I loved about this book is when it really comes down to it, and let's say you don't have a job or you're looking for that next job, the truth of the matter is you have to have faith in the process. You have to believe that the process is gonna produce a result because you may be floundering, but if you do the things that Dr. Nemco is gonna say, you're gonna believe in that. So in a sense, it's spiritual because you're having faith, you're believing that you're gonna get that job because if you stop believing that you can get a job, guess what, you're never gonna get one, right? So you may have faith in God, you may have faith in nature, or you may, it may give you peace, or you may have faith in karma, whatever that may be. So the question to you is, where are you out in that scale emotionally, on a scale of one to 10? One being miserable, 10 being outstanding, right?
2: All
1: right, so you got four numbers. Think of those four numbers like the legs of a table, okay? So if the table's uneven, it's hard to eat from that table. And at the same time, if you're sitting in a normal chair and all the numbers are low, it's also hard to eat. So the whole idea is to be in balance, raise your table, and, and, and enjoy life because that's when we're most fulfilled. So my next guest is gonna fulfill you better than anyone could ever fulfill you when it comes to your career. And it's much more than a career because your life is much more than just a job. And, 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 and Dr. Marty Nemco is absolutely, like I said, the master sommelier when it comes to careers. Dr. Nemco is, what can I say about him? He is, uh, in his 30th year as a career coach. He has served over 5,500 clients. He's got a 95% satisfaction rate. US News and World Reports has called him the career coach extraordinaire. Uh, He's uh, the Bay Area's best career coach. He's an adjunct professor at Golden Gate University. He's a regular contributor to Psychology Today. He's written 20 essays for Time Ideas section. It, can I just tell you something? There's probably not much this, this amazing man has not done. And his book, Careers for Dummies, which I'm holding up right now for those people who are watching on Facebook Live, I am gonna tell you is one of the most comprehensive, most amazing career books that you will ever read. I've read it cover to cover. It is absolutely fantastic. Get the Kindle version, get the, the this version that I'm holding up right now, get the book. I'm telling you and and don't just get the book for uh for yourself. We're coming up to graduation, folks. Can I listen, these graduates are looking for a career. Get them this book, tell them to read it, because it's gonna help them immensely. So by the way, so everybody will you please give welcome Doctor Marty Nemco. Dr. Nemco, welcome to a New Direction.
3: After that I better not suck. <laughs>
1: I know better than that. I've read. I've read this book from cover to cover. I know. Uh, I and and you have such an, a marvelous sense of humor. I, the, some of the things I didn't talk about that are kind of fun about you, though, is your first job was a professional pianist in a bar room in the Bronx. Right? As a hey,
3: fort- you know, why don't we? Well, the hell with this
2: career stuff. Why don't I just do this? You know. <laughs>
1: Unbelievable! That's fantastic. Okay, so that's a first on this show. I have <laughs> I've never had any guest actually play when Irish eyes are smiling.
3: <laughs> well, you said bar, you know. I said bar. I think <laughs> Irish. I think that was my first gig. I was a 12-year-old kid. I couldn't even shave. I'm a total nerd. And my first gig was in an Irish bar, McCann's Irish Bar in the Bronx. Completely illegal. Probably uh,
1: anyway, so I had to do that for you. That's well, you know. Here's the beautiful thing about that, though. And by the way, Dr. Marty Nemko is brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. When you're looking to sell your business, there's no other place to choose. Choose Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They are internationally known. You can learn more by going to nline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. And I don't care where you're at in the world. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, go take. Call the folks at Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You can do that by just going to their website. It's Linda Craft, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And uh, they are bringing you Dr. Marty Nemco. Listen, I want to tell you, though, Dr. Nemco, that I the, the reason I brought up the first job is because I don't believe in coincidence. And I thought it was so interesting that your first job, you were playing the piano, and then you became a cab driver. And... You you did acting and directing and you've done so many things and I'm like going, man, I wonder if he's ever thought that his own personal path has led him to becoming a career advisor because you've had so many careers.
3: The reason I became a career advisor was, um, I like to be extraordinarily honest, it's one of the few benefits one gets from doing these kind of things. Um. I was, everybody expected that I was going to be a professor. I had a, a PhD from Berkeley and I was, my dissertation was nominated for dissertation of the year. Wow. And yet I applied for a hundred jobs and I couldn't get a hundred professorships and I didn't even get one. Hmm. And finally, and I got a bunch of little, what they call gypsy professor jobs, little part-time temp things. I right. could have made more money per hour flipping burgers at McDonald's. <laughs> but finally I get a. am uh, I, I, a finalist for a position in San Francisco state and the, uh, Uh, The interview was the interview from heaven. There were six people interviewing me. I did have them laughing. Um, I felt I I also um, was substantive, and they appreciated that. And at the end of the interview, the uh, chair of the department, I can mention his name at this point. His name is Mark Phillips. He uh, told the other five professors to leave and for me to stay um, behind. And I thought, oh, finally, uh, it's going to be my turn. I'm going to get a job. I've been working so hard for this. And he said, Marty, you are by far the most qualified candidate for this job. And Marty, you don't stand a ghost of that. Remember that word? You don't stand a ghost of a chance of getting it. I said, Why? He said, I want to save you. And this is a psychologist term: cognitive dissonance. Right. Yeah. He said, said, the dean has informed us that the next seven tenure track positions—those are the—I mean, real for permanent positions—the next seven, seven tenure track positions to be filled will be women or minorities. And, you know, I knew that affirmative action and even some reverse discrimination was growing. But somehow I thought that, you know, I had a pretty distinguished record that I would somehow trump that. That shocked the hell out of me. And so I I went home and I cried with my wife. And I said, now what the hell am I going to do? And I then turned to my, this may sound corny, but to my values. My father's a Holocaust survivor. Mm. And what healed him was not going to Holocaust remembrances, not psychotherapy. What helped him was burying himself in his work, feeling great about supporting my mom, my sister, and me. And I felt that if that could heal him, a Holocaust survivor, Mm. as well as doing good for lots of people, I was going to try to help people find their right work, and that's how I became a career counselor.
1: That's amazing. We're talking with Donnie, Dr. Marty Nemco, author of the Careers for Dummy book, right? The Careers for Dummies book. I, do you know the truth of the matter is, Dr. Nemco, as I'm holding this book up at Facebook Live, the, the truth of the matter is I've always wanted to interview an author who wrote a dummies book and you're the first and so I'm, I'm honored actually to do this with you because the thing about dummies books and i've used them over the course of my career for different to, to learn right because it's a great way to comprehensively learn as a lot of things in a very short book right i mean even though this book is 379 pages long you have comprehensively covered everything about careers in this book and i i want to let people know that this The book itself is not just full of career advice. He has got links to YouTube videos. He has got links to other resources that you can learn more about. He gives you ideas of types of jobs. He helps you discover maybe some hidden talents that you didn't know you have. He talks about what happens when you get a job. The book is, Careers for Dummies, is literally the most comprehensive book you will ever get when it comes to careers and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So when you write a book of this sort about careers, I know that there's a part of you that has to go, okay, I can't get in everything, right? So is there something in this book that you, that you would go, okay, if I could add this, I would put this also in a career book?
3: First of all, I wanna say I've written 12 books and I've written for all kinds of publishers including Random House and whatever. And I have to tell you, I think the dummies' formula for writing a book serves the reader better than any of them. Totally agree. They have a lovely structure that keeps things simple yet authoritative. I had quite a bit, they think it, you know, you look at that structure and you think it's formulaic. I had a tremendous amount of freedom in, in terms of what I did, just that I kept things simple, but they let it be anywhere from 300 to 400 pages that's a lot of flexibility yeah and i and i love the and what people don't realize in when i if i write a book for random house from the day i submit it to the day it reaches the shelves or kindle or whatever is over a year typically with dummies it's 3 months they are so they have such an efficient system that the book gets in your hand while the while the knowledge is fresh so i'm not saying this is a commercial i don't give a crap it, but really the, the dummies books not just money, they have hundreds of them right. it's an excellent approach to learning about anything I think dummies books are great
1: I do too I, I, I do too I, I, I just I love them and I love I love your approach in this book by the way. I love that what you've done here is you've covered everything so we got graduations coming up here all right, we, we, right. people are, as a matter of fact I'm going to be doing a commencement. For my university back in Nebraska, and
3: congratulations—that's a big deal.
1: It is a huge deal, right? And you know, I I mean, I've written my share of books, and you know, my graduate work was in psychology as well. And you know, for whatever reason, they thought I was a good pick. I don't know why, but thank you. But I don't know why. But we've got graduations coming up here, and one of the things I remember is that some folks, I was going to graduate school, so I wasn't worried about the next step, but most of the folks in there were trying to secure a position, and some of them had a job, right? Especially if you, I think back then in the 80s, if you were in that STEM, you know, that science tech stuff, you were probably pretty secure, but if you were in the softer sciences, psychology, sociology, like I was, if you didn't go to grad school, it was a little tougher. So what is, you know, we, we're in a technology world. What do you tell uh, young graduates who are getting ready to graduate about the job world? What, what, what's your What's your first piece of advice?
3: That's an excellent question. And I'll just briefly allude to the book here. Because especially liberal arts graduates, English majors, art majors, sociology majors, psychology majors, American studies majors, ethnic studies majors, art history majors, they are scared to death that they will be unemployable in this world of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. So my number one priority in writing this book was to expand the number of options that are available to people who are not super techies, who are not going to become data scientists. So the core of the book, the most important part of the book, is what I call the Cool Careers Catalog, which inventories 340 different careers, most of which don't require technical background. And unlike a listing, I have about two paragraphs on each that provide in plain English, entertaining English an introduction to that career, as well as, you said, a link to an article or videos or whatever, so that within the space of an hour or two, and I've got them very organized, so it's easy to search through whether you're a word person or a people person or a science and people person or whatever, a hands-on person, entrepreneur, you can hone in quickly on a number of careers that would be good fits for you. And that's what most young people who are scared to death as they graduate or don't do not you know, the dirty, dark secret that colleges don't like to tell you is that 40% of students who start as freshmen never make it to graduation, even if given six years. They're really scared that they're going to be unemployable. So I have really made a point in the book, in that cool careers catalog in there, of identifying careers that don't necessarily require a degree. And I'll give you just a couple of examples that people would never even think about. For example, there's a career I love called Program Evaluator. Ever more of the money that gets distributed to organizations is done by grant proposals, from the feds to nonprofits, from a foundation to to universities to colleges or whatever. Every one of those proposals that get funded need an evaluator. Somebody say, "Is this program good? Was it worth the money?" That's a great career, and while some people, of course, have PhDs in program evaluation. Many people don't, and you can often get in at least with a bachelor's degree. That's one of hundreds of examples of careers that somebody who's not going to be a big data person, artificial intelligence, deep learning, machine learning guru, or MD, can pursue.
1: We're with Dr. Marty Nemco, and we are talking about his book, Careers for Dummies. By the way, I... As I keep saying, it's the most comprehensive career book that you will ever read, whether you're in search of your first career, whether you're looking for another career, whatever it may be, this book is going to be so helpful to you. It's going to be so helpful to your graduate. It's going to be helpful to somebody that you know is struggling, right? We're all in Struggleville from time to time when it comes to our careers and jobs. I've been there. I understand it. And you know what? You want to get out of Struggleville? With your career, why don't you pick up this book? It's called Careers for Dummies by Dr. Marty Nemco. He's brought to you by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They have literally helped thousands of people help in the buying and selling of their business. When you want the best deal team, you want to contact the internationally known folks at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors, that's NLINE, dot com, and Linda Craft and Team Realtors. I don't care where you're at in the world, when you're ready to sell or buy your home, why don't you contact the great folks, the experts in real estate at Linda Craft and Team Realtors. That's Linda Craft, dot com. And they're bringing you Dr. Marty Nemco and his book, Careers for Dummies. Dr. Nemco, one of the things I wanted to say, jumping on, that you just spoke about is, is is formal education like college overrated? Yes,
3: yeah, so it's something i maybe my most cited article is America's most overrated product, higher education. It was originally uh, it's called the. Bat, they have an article that's on the back page, an editorial, and it was a number of years ago, and it probably has gotten more views and more thumbs up, and also more hate mail <laughs> than anything I've ever written. Um, I want to want to make one little parenthetical comment. When you use the word comprehensive to describe my book, Cool Chris, or Dummies, I tried to put myself in the shoes of the listener, and that thing comprehensive. Oh, that's going to be long and boring and hard. It's not. Yes, it's got 384 pages, but. Every little section is a standalone. It can, it's simple and easy to read, whether it be about how to manage your time better, you know, procrastination, if it's about how to go about landing a job, how to do a better LinkedIn profile, how to pick a career, how to deal with stress and burnout. It's just each of those is in a separate few pages. In total, the 384 pages is like a, a Bible. It covers everything regarding career. But don't think of it as going to be this boring thing like an encyclopedia that's going to sit as a doorstop.
1: It's not, it, no, 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 the book, the book is, and it's got your sense of humor, by the way, throughout the I entire, the, but, uh, yes, it is comprehensive, I do not want to underestimate, I'm just, t- I know that for sure, but it also has your sense of humor, and it was funny, because I found myself laughing, and then at times I was tragically crying, because of the some of the stories, that you know, that I was like, oh man, that's sad, that we have to live like this, or that you know, we get stuck like that because I, I felt that and I knew what that felt like. So, it, it's more than just a, it's more than, it's not a hard read, but it's, it's, it is a comprehensive, but it's a fun read too. I, I literally did enjoy it from the very beginning when you started to the very last thing, it's okay to be nice, but you know what, be good. And you know, which was the very last statement that you make in the book. And I, And I was like, you know what, that sums up the book really well. You've been nice to me, but at the end of the day, you were good to me. And that's how I felt about this book.
3: And, There's a hell of a lot of nice people out there for whom that niceness is a cover for their really being pretty evil. Think about Michael Avenatti now, who, right. you know, who, see, he was the darling of CNN. And when he was representing Stormy Daniels and, you know, you know, CNN just has a, you know, salivates at the thought of anything bad about Donald Trump. So they had Avenatti on 24-7. Um, now I don't think they're feeling quite as good about, about Avenatti. By the way, speaking of humor, you know, I I am I can be pretty outrageous, and so I remember the Dummies people. They're you know they're corporates. You know, the Dummies brand is owned by John Wiley and Sons. You know right. the famous yeah, old publisher. Yeah. And so you know they would cross out words like orgasm that I would put in my, <laughs> my career. They didn't they didn't like that kind of humor. So if you think that was funny, you should. Uh, uh, you should have a beer with me. I, 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 mean, I
1: want to see the. I want to see the stuff that you've cut out. I think that's probably going to be pretty funny. So let's let's go back to this over overrated educational right. system. Because because my okay. wife, I'm, I'm just an example. My wife is a, an extraordinarily successful real estate person and owns her own company and you know has twenty five or thirty people and it's, it's extraordinary And she's not. She doesn't have a formal education from college, and she's extraordinarily successful and. You make a point of going. You know what? College is not necessarily an answer to financial success.
3: It's going to vary, and of course, many employers of good jobs, because they're so overwhelmed with applications, will say, "You know what? Let's make this college degree required." So I don't want to seem like some extremist here. I'm going to present a, I think, a fairly measured approach. If you are like the most people, who's not a self starter, who's not entrepreneurial who is immature and needs that halfway house between the protection of mommy at home and the independence of adulthood, college can be the right thing. Also, if you are a scholar, higher education really is about scholarship. Mm. It's about abstract, typically abstract, intellectual, theory-based learning. Right. If you love that stuff, of course you should go to college. Right. And also... If you can get into Harvard or Stanford or Yale, you probably should go no matter what because we live in a brand-name society, sure. and that damn name on your diploma is going to open a lot of doors, not to mention the networking. Right. But that still leaves millions and millions of other people who go to college who might be wiser to forego college or at least just do community college where the teaching ironically is better than at Harvard, Yale, and Stanford, because the faculty is hired based on how well they teach, not how much arcane research they produce. Right. And there are many other people who, after high school, should be learning on the job in a formal or informal apprenticeship, whether, or starting their own business. Even if their first few businesses fail, they will learn more from that hands-on experience than they would from all the business courses imaginable. Right. The military is deemed unacceptable, by the politically correct public media world in which I live, and yet for the right person who needs the structure and the discipline and the excellent career training that is often provided in the military, the military can be a great option. So my argument is not college is bad or good. It is overrated as being the magic pill for everyone, and that each one of your listeners, who's yourself or your children, who's deliberating what to do post-high school, should give fair consideration to the full range of options, from self-employment, to apprenticeship, to military, to community college, to the traditional four-year university.
1: Did you hear this, folks? Dr. Marty Nemco, right, right. The, Dr. Marty Nemco just called out, to an extent, college. I, 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 I cannot agree with you more on this, that we have almost made college a necessity but what we're producing is really not great. I'm to, as, a, as, a, as a former college professor, I'm just gonna be honest and say, we're not really producing greatness.
3: The most definitive study, which of course the academics have found ways to debunk, but right. the most solid study that has ever been done on this was something called Academically Adrift. It came out of the University of Chicago, the University of Chicago Press, in which they looked nationwide at you know, dozens or hundreds of colleges and they found that 30, and I hope I've got these percentages about right, but somewhere between 36 and 45 percent of all freshmen, by the time they reach senior year, have grown little or not at all in those ostensibly core characteristics of writing and critical thinking. Right. Colleges, because the professors are so selected by their ability to do research, and they are so interested in their abstract cutting edge, which is so different than what undergraduates need to know. And because they they herd students into large classes, for all of those reasons, the students grow, now some grow a lot, but unless your student is highly motivated and very academically oriented, you're at grave risk of going into five- and six-figure debt for very little growth in what you're supposed to be growing in, and because when you put kids away from home for the first time into these dorms, two and three to a room, you create a hothouse for too much sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the kids end up developing not only not good writing and thinking skills, but bad personal habits that often, especially in an era today of legalized vaping, which is the case in California and in growing number of states, kids who are ending up as they say, failing to launch and back on their parents' sofa with low self-esteem, six-figure debt, and no employable skills or even employability motivation.
1: Mm. Talking to Dr. Marty Nemco, <clears throat> book's called Careers for Dummies. Outstanding book. It's, it is a comprehensive, fun read. I'm going to change that. How about that? It's a <laughs> comprehensive, fun read because it really is. He's got a tremendous sense of humor, and you're going to you see it just shine through this comprehensive book on careers. You're going to absolutely love the book. I, 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 I cannot agree with you more. I, I I, have said this about college, and as a college, somebody who's taught at three different universities, I have, I have said we are so good at teaching the philosophy of fishing when we need to teach these kids how to fish. Right. And we're not right. doing it. We're... we're it's, it's not helping them, it's really not helping them with a career. Matter of fact, I feel like we're stunting their growth quite often in the classroom. Because I am, you know, I'm given an, a mandate that I have to cover this uh, amount of information and I have to cover this particular thing rather than Saying, yeah, but why can't we talk about, why can't we teach them the apply, how to apply this? What does this mean for you for life? How does this fit into whatever your career is? You know, that's, it seems to be that that's outside of that because if I was at a university full-time, I would be responsible. Well, you really don't have time That give that to your graduate assistant. You need to do research or publish something.
3: Maybe, it may be useful for your listeners to understand how this would seem absurd. and colleges have all these students. How come they don't care about teaching students? Well, it starts like this. Colleges used to be teaching-oriented institutions, but we all are interested in prestige. And because of... it, It is intellectually more stimulating for brilliant PhD types to create new knowledge, to study the cutting edge, than to merely educate people on what already is known. So there's been an inexorable press over 150 years to honor... The researcher over the teacher. Mm. And in addition, as so much of that research is funded with what's called overhead given to the university, the universities, like other in the other business, and believe me, they are a business, they ended up liking to hire professors who brought in grant money. Absolutely. And so, and the grant money comes from research. So because of the status of being a researcher and the money that accrues from being a researcher, you disproportionately have faculty who by temperament, training, passion, and exigency, what, they, what they, it will serve them to focus on teaching their little research area. And so as a result, students end up learning so little and paying so much. And to be fully candid, because there are pressures from the major funders, whether it be the government or foundations, to focus on diversity. There have become mammoth diversity infrastructures in schools that are taking money away that could be going to instruction and instead bean counting, guilt invoking, virtue signaling at UCLA where my daughter went to school, there there is and I, I don't have the number right, but I think fifty million dollars a year merely spent on enhancing diversity. Mm. There is something wrong when Melanin is trumping excellence in terms of what we prioritize in how we teach our students and that is why higher education has become america's most overrated product and is very vulnerable to in the coming decades being replaced by these amazing often online courses the number one course in the world right now popular course is andrew eng's series of courses on artificial intelligence that has 4.9 excuse me 2.4 2.4 million students who give an average grade of 4.9 to the course, and it costs $80. Mm. Higher education, traditional higher education, is at its bubbling, bursting point, and I believe over the next couple of decades will slowly give way to alternative approaches to learning.
1: We're talking with Dr. Marty Nemco, author of the book, Careers for Dummies. He's brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. Inline Business and Brokers Advisors literally have helped thousands of people with the selling and buying of of a business. And you know what? Selling your business is a big decision, so make sure you build your deal team starting with the experts at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can find out more at inline.com, E-N-L-I-G-N.com, and Linda Craft and Team Realtors who happen to be listening to the show. And by the way, where I am actually stationed today is I'm doing this remotely at Linda Craft and Team Realtors, and they've given me this beautiful office to do the show from, and so I'm grateful to them, and they have been a sponsor of the show since the very beginning as well, and so you can find out more at lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. So let me ask you this next question. I'm in college. I've been expected to be uh, you know, uh, business, get a business degree because that's what my father did, that's what my grandfather did, and, and or I'm expected to be an engineer, or I'm expected to be insert degree. And yet, they don't really have a passion for it. So, they end up graduating, which by the way, this happens, I think, probably more than I can count, where they wind up graduating, but they're really unhappy in in the, in, in the major that they've chosen. What do you tell them?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. It's gonna. Well, again, I'm going to try to be subtle. It's going to vary. There's a certain subset of people who come to realize that it almost doesn't matter what you major in. Your happiness and success are a function of two things: deciding you're going to be an expert at it. Let's let's take something. Let's say business. Like hey, deep down, privately, you don't really give a crap about widgets. But as chance would have it, you you your family or your friends or whatever or your the recruiter got you a job at the uh, the Raleigh-Durham Widget Company. And you just say, you know, damn it, uh, this uh, clearly I'm not, I don't give a crap about widgets, but, you know, this is this is where I landed. I'm going to become an expert at widgets. I want to tell you a story, actually. There was a client of mine who had, excuse me, are you, are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, good, I hit a button by mistake. No, anyway, okay. no, you're good. Um, he, he had graduated from Michigan State in some liberal arts thing, I don't remember. Uh, and it was Thanksgiving and he still hadn't found a job. And he was dreading going to Thanksgiving, family Thanksgiving, because everybody was going to ask him the dreaded question. Well, so, Johnny, what are you doing? Well, he didn't know. Well, they asked him. He went, I'm, I'm still looking. I'm exploring. Blah, blah blah And somebody at the table said, you know, I'm working at the International Harvester Plant making tractors. If you want some money, you don't know, you get a, a job working. That can probably get you a job at least part-time working on the factory floor. Well, he wanted to be able to move out of his parents' house, and he wanted to be able to take his girl out for dates and stuff. So he said, what the hell? And he goes and he takes his job. He could give a crap about tractors. And the job they gave him was assembling the um, dashboards onto tractors. He and nobody else gives a crap about any of that. But... Because he was brighter than the average dude, and he kind of had a good work ethic, he decided he was going to become really good at it. He noted, for example, that occasionally the um, what they used to call naugahyde, the plastic that covered the foam, right. would come loose at the corners of the dashboard. So he started to do some real thinking and internet research on how to, you know, what you know, why, what could be done to keep that that plastic onto the phone. And he ended up telling his boss about it and his boss tried it and it didn't exactly work right but he he long story short he ended up getting good at it and and knowing a lot about dashboard manufacture and dashboard installation. And he ended up feeling good about it because he felt command. Mm. He felt he didn't he wasn't an imposter. Right. He felt he knew something and in the end he got a promotion to be they don't call him foreman anymore. Right. foreperson person um, and, um, <coughs> excuse me. And the next, I'm over cold. And the next, next Thanksgiving, he was pleased to say that he had been promoted to entry level manager at, um, at International Harvester. The point is, for a certain percentage of people, it's not being passionate about something. Right. You get into something and become expert at it, and that makes you passionate about it as well as make more money. Does that make sense?
1: Oh No, no. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with this because I think commencement speakers have often given the worst advice ever to graduates. Find something that you're passionate about and do that. Right. And I you're think right. that is horrible advice. Right. I think that you have, because I don't think you know what you're passionate about. You and I had this conversation before we were on the air and, and I was telling you that I had no idea that I would love to do, that I love doing this radio podcasting thing. I had no idea. I love reading the books. I love the challenge of reading a book from cover to cover and coming up with a question and making this a conversation between the author and myself. I had no idea I would even be passionate about this. Because if you would have said to me at the age of 21, you know what, uh, because you know what I was passionate about? I was going to be the next Bob Rotella. As a sports psychologist, that was what I was going to be. That was that was what my passion was. And now here I am, coaching and writing and 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 doing podcasting and speaking publicly in front of you know thousands of people a year. And I and I'm like going, I had no idea. It's not in my because my degrees are in psychology, right? And that's where my degrees. I studied under B.F. Skinner's last student, so at Washington State University. So. I thought this is what I was going to be and that's where I was going to go and I was so wrong and I'm so glad that I didn't follow my first passion. I'm so glad that I developed skills and developed talents that, I, that were hidden to me and I think you talk about that, that we have hidden talents that we sometimes don't even recognize.
3: Jay, I got to tell you, my point is a little different. They're still implying that there was a hidden passion. There is a lot of people that most people are passionate about the same few things you may have been surprised that you, you, you like being on the radio, but in the end, a hell of a lot of people love being in front of a microphone. A hell of a lot of people care about the environment. They're passionate about the environment. A hell of a lot of people are passionate about sports. A hell of a lot of people passionate about fashion. Those are, most people, unfortunately, are passionate about the same small number of things, mm-hmm. and therefore supply and demand is going to mean that the pay is normally going to be crappy. Right. Off the air, you told me you wish that radio paid more. Well, uh- that's the problem with <laughs> using passion as a determination sure. for your career. Sure, because the chances of whether it's a hidden passion or it's overt, it doesn't matter. The point is the chances of it paying off. Being a, a an actor who's in the movies and making zillions is tiny. It is normally smarter rather than to say I'm going to find some passion. I'm going to you know whether it's dormant or or extant. Rather focus on if becoming expert at almost whatever. I believe that Bill Gates if he hadn't been in computers and was forced by an edict from the emperor of the universe to become to work in the shoe shine industry he would become passionate about shoe shine industry and he would have had a worldwide chain of the finest shoe shine stands whether they be automated or people run in the world i think it's a mistake to focus on passion i agree i think it's a it's much more important to focus on becoming expert at something where the door has somehow been opened for you in a way that the free market wouldn't have allowed it to be open.
1: Well, let me ask you this, because I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, I think we're on the same page here. I may not have used the appropriate terminology, but I think we're on the same page here because I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. But let me let me ask you this. Don't you feel like you, when it comes to developing expertise, don't you feel like on some level you have a maybe a hidden talent or a hidden uh, ability to learn that? Or a hidden uh, maybe there's something inside you that it lines up with who you are in your personality or who you are in your in um, your natural abilities.
3: Maybe um, the there it's politically incorrect, but one of the most enduring truths in psychology is that intelligence, yes, as measured by IQ tests, intelligence <laughs> tests, the SAT, they're all highly correlated with each other. Yeah, whatever. That sure. that ends up being an enormously useful tool for learning almost anything. Yes, right. there are some people who are more visual than others. Sure. So in broad terms maybe your, your intelligence is more defined by verbal skills or nonverbal. Right. But in general, you're, rather than looking for the hidden talent, it is frankly, your IQ, which defines your you know it's not 100%, but pretty damn well defines your ability to learn whatever. So in other words, if I were forced to learn Indo-European linguistics, I believe I could learn it as well if I knew that was the path toward, let's say I had a cousin who owned the leading consulting firm in Indo-European linguistics, and he was going to get me a better job than I could have gotten in the open market if I only learned Indo-European linguistics, By I believe that I could learn that as well as I could learn rose breeding or oh, uh, glass blowing or uh, nonprofit fundraising. That notion of IQ, intelligence, which is the ability to learn, abstract, synthesize, analyze, and remember, those are things that apply across a very wide range of endeavors. So, I, that's why I like capitalizing on what happens to be in front of you more than necessarily the search for an, a dormant passion.
1: That's, we're talking with Dr. Dr. Marty Nemko, author of Careers for Dummies. Uh, comprehensive fun read here's what i said comprehensive fun read you've already heard his sense of humor and he's by the way he he is as direct in his book as he is on the show (laughs) i'm not gonna lie to you he opened up the show playing uh irish eyes are smiling i've never had any guest ever play the piano he did that today he opened up the show he's fun he's funny but he's also extraordinarily brilliant and the book uh, careers for dummies is amazingly helpful and comprehensive I, I again, I, I, don't disagree with. I remember being in grad school and we were tossing around this in, in in psychology. We were tossing around this idea of intelligence, and we had come up with the idea that this friend of mine and I had talked about that. Really, if we were going to define intelligence, we would say it's adaptability. You're so the more intelligent you are, the more adaptable you are, and I, I believe that to be true. That that you can depending on how adaptable you are, I think that it says a lot about your intelligence. I hate putting a number on intelligence. I understand the correlation. But I, I do think it's adaptability. And I think that the more adaptable you are, there's more things that you can do and that you're probably going to be very happy in doing them.
3: Adaptability is one layer above the root. One is adaptable because one is able to learn well, remember well, analyze well, synthesize well, and apply the learning to new environments. That's the adaptability is the outcome of all of those more foundational things that are what I call intelligence.
1: Okay, we just got a little geeky there. Okay, I just want to let you know we got a little nerdy. That was a little psychology nerd stuff. Okay,
3: the, you're right. We were getting nerdy. <laughs> we got maybe, a little nerdy. Maybe I should play something else on the piano.
1: <laughs> we got a little nerdy there for a second. We we really did because he brought up the word cognitive dissonance, which I love talking psychology. I could do that all day, but we got a little nerdy there. So let's talk about this in the book. One of the things that you talk towards the end of the book is what if what if I'm going to make a career change? Mm-hmm. What, what, when would be the time? Because you talk about this as well. When would be, uh, why should I make? When should be a time I should consider making a career change?
3: Again, nuance is everything. Of course, one you know, the the, uh, the kind of the, the the if I were giving a grade, the the, the standard gr- answer which gets a C or maybe a B, is you know when you really can't stand your boss and you're getting can't you know can't get, can't stand getting up in the morning to go to work, but it's not as simple as that. Right. It depends on how many options you have if you are a person of great intelligence, if you're a person who are easy to get along with, if you have great drive, if you don't have physical illnesses, and if your expertise happens to be in an area that's popular, like the aforementioned data science, then clearly it's going to be easier for you to, you'd be wiser to pull the trigger quickly. You know, if your boss, your boss may not be, you know, Attila the Hun, but your boss is kind of crappy, the work is kind of boring, You've topped out because your boss above you is never going to leave. You know, even if it's not terrible, if you've got all those other things going for you, you still might want to leave. On the other hand, if you are not very intelligent, you tend to be lazy. You're a pain in the butt. People tend to not like you. You don't have a great skill set. You know, you you learn slowly. Then you may have to put up with more. So when is it time to change careers? It depends on who the person is.
1: Awesome. So, okay. All right. So... One of the things you talk about in terms of changing careers, right, is that I you talk about changing attitude. I've, I've always said that there's two things I can control: I can control my attitude and I control my effort. But that's not always always easy to do. Oh, no, it, hard. Yeah, it's, it could be hard, right? Is that a time? But is that a time where I'm like I, I I just cannot seem to get past my attitude and effort that you should maybe think about moving?
3: This is a this is a good hard question. The whole question of attitude change drive, motivation is, you know, you, I'm fairly confident about all the others, everything we've talked about so far, but the the art of engendering attitude change mm. is such a, a squishy yes. variable. It's it so, so difficult to, to engender. It, it's hard to say. So I normally tend to think that our attitude, our foundational attitudes tend to not change a whole lot. So For example, I am a sad person. You can't hear it on the radio. But I've put myself in environments where I tend to not be sad Mm -hmm. because I'm using my best skill, which is my ability to think on my feet, and talk about what I know, which is career and education. So you're not going to change your general attitude. If you are normally a curmudgeon or you're normally an airhead optimist or whatever, (laughs) those things probably are not going to fundamentally change. So rather than expecting a change in attitude, you might ask yourself, where is an environment in which I am likely, with my given personality as is, right. where am I likely to be at my best?
1: I got it. Okay, so I'm an airhead, positive person. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> as you, listen, I'm just using your terminology. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I no, I am. I am a. I am by nature. My core is. I'm. I'm positive, and I believe that. If I work hard enough, if I put forth effort, and if I change my attitude, I can do anything. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I, I believe that it may not happen right away, but given, given enough time, staying at it, be persistent, I will win over time. And that's, that's just who I am. I, I, I don't know why I'm that way, but it, it's, and I try to encourage people along the way. And I made a late career change. As I did, I made I made a really late career change, and decided you know at the age fifty to start writing books and and then start coaching. And I've always spoke, but then to become more of a professional speaker, and then of course added this. What do you tell people? I mean, I know attitudes and positive and negative and how we look at the glass or whatever you want to call it. But what do you tell people late in their career who are thinking about a career change? You're
3: gonna have to say nuance. I think sometimes. Your attitude is I, I don't believe in the black and white, you know, believe in it and you can do it. I think that's a bunch of crap.
2: Fine.
3: I think it depends. Like I you know, I played basketball my whole life. But and I would love to play basketball for the Golden State Warriors. But who, it ain't wouldn't, gonna happen.
1: who wouldn't want to play basketball for the Golden State Warriors? Precisely. <laughs> so it's
3: not my attitude that's the problem. The problem is I'm a slow white guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe this attitude thing, you know, it's like, I, you know, I'm a professional pianist, but I can't draw more than stick figures. So I could have all the attitude in the world about drawing well and I'm going to suck. Um, so I believe that our attitudes change in response to what the task in front of us is. So if I said, dude, Jay, you're going to be, you got to be an engineer and you're late in life. Let's say you're 67 years old right. and you say, you know, dude, I want, you know, just have the right attitude, do it. You know, if you believe it, you can do it. Right. You know, that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, we need, you know, in the end, the, the right balance is to have your head in the clouds but your feet on the ground. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, I think attitude is is much harder to fix as a overall global thing to improve. And if your attitude is saying, uh, this, is, you know, this is yucky, this is, yucky. You know, say, put on a happy face is only going to work for a very short amount of time. I'm not convinced of that. But yes, put yourself in a career where it builds on your past, your 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 natural strengths, your preferences. That sounds like a cliche, but it's true.
1: Well, I, and I think I think I want to clarify something here, just to, not because I'm being defensive, but just because I want to make sure I'm clear. But I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, hoity-do, there's no problems in life, everything, because I'm not that person. But I I do believe that my behavior ultimately is affected by uh, how I how I how I feel. I, I believe that my emotions sure. do affect my behavior. And yep. but I also know that nothing changes without me doing something. Period. If I if I do not work and if I do not work hard, nothing changes to me.
3: That's true. It's necessary but not sufficient. There are things, The fancy word is externalities you know there are factors that do exist in the world there is the economy right there how you know how good is the job market there is right. luck sure sure the older i get the more i realize luck matters i could bust my ass to get to be a national talk show host and if i'm not there at the right time in the right place i could bang on 50 doors and i could still end up with nothing but if my timing is right i i could i could get it so i like to think there's there are attitude and hard work matter but you know, there is a lot of crap that happens. God forbid you get cancer. Right. No, I get it. All of a sudden, everything changes.
1: Right. I get, no, no, no. I listen. I, I totally, I totally get that. I just, I feel like if I've got to, if I've got to default in one way or another, I'd rather default on the positive side. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, we agree.
3: You know what? I got to go, but I think with a fun thing with your permission. Yeah. The fun way to the end for me to play something else on the piano. Okay, let's Okay,
1: can, let me do this before you do that cuz Marty's got Dr. Marty Nemco's got to go. He wrote this book, comprehensive fun book called Careers uh, for Dummies and it's outstanding. Pick it up for your graduate, pick it up for yourself. I, I found this book to be extraordinarily helpful to me and you're going to love him. He was great. He's he is absolutely my That's fantastic. I got to tell you Dr. Marty before you play us out here. I wanted to say to you that it has been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure. And I am grateful uh, for you to be on the show. Thank you so much. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. I certainly have. And I hope also as well uh, that you know that uh, I, I wish you tremendous success on the book. And and I also I also wanna say to you as well that I'm so glad that you wrote this book because I, you're helping a lot of people and that's what the show New Direction's about. Is about helping people, and you certainly helped a lot of people today. And I cannot thank you enough. And the people who are on Facebook have said this is a great show, one of the best shows ever. And I'm watching those shows come in, people come in. So you need to know that people are applauding you and saying how great you are today. And so thank you, uh, Dr. Nemco, I appreciate it.
3: I really appreciate. You've done a good job, Jay. You're a good interviewer. I think we've had it. It was fun and substantive, and. uh, I have actually really have enjoyed it, and I think you need to be proud. I'm not just patting you on the back if you patted me on the back. I think you have a legitimate basis for being proud. When I saw you in that stupid cowboy hat, <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you might be a jerk. You're not a jerk. You're quite a reasonable guy, and a smart guy, and a caring guy, and it's been a pleasure talking with you.
1: It's a pleasure. And so, Dr. Marty Nemco, why don't you play us a tune on your way out the door?
3: What I think I want to play is uh, something I wrote. It doesn't have words, but it is. Um, it reflects... The process that my typical career counseling clients go go through—they come in sad, and little by little they make progress. Then they get a big win, and then they end up being at peace with each other, with themselves. So, um, do I have to? It takes about two minutes. Is it too Are long? You, Can I do no, that? No,
1: no, no. We've got plenty of time. We we still got we've still got time. Matter of fact, I I got somebody who said, "Wow, this went by so fast." Literally, just wrote this um, cool. on, and said it went by so fast. So, um, yes, you've got time. Go ahead.
3: All right, let me put down the phone and
2: play here. There you go. Are you there?
1: I've never had it start with the piano. I've never had it end with the piano. That was absolutely one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you very much, Jack. Th- thank you for sharing that with us. That's uh, uh, That's heartfelt and emotional, and we felt it. This is a great show. Thank you, Dr. Nemco. Listen, folks, you heard it. Dr. Nemco, the book's called Careers for Dummies. You need to pick it up. It's available on Amazon. Find it at your favorite bookstore. If they don't have it at your bookstore, you need to ask them why they don't have it at the bookstore because this is a too good of a book, too comprehensive of a book. It's a fun read. It's going to be so helpful to you. Please buy the book. I thank you, I thank Dr. Nemco, I want to thank all of you for being with me today and all over the world. By the way, France, thank you so much, Austria, thank you for listening, Portugal, thank you for listening. I appreciate all the people in Cardiff and all the suburbs, Merton and South London and all over Ireland, Italy. I thank all of the countries, I thank this great country the United States. Chicago, you're my number one listening audience, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much more than you more than you know. And California, all the way up and down the coast, I thank you as well. Folks, as I say to you every week, yeah, yeah. be inspired because when you're inspired, you can inspire someone else. And when we do that, we can make this world a great place. Yeah, yeah. It is great to see you. We'll see you next week with another great guest. Ciao, everybody.
0: Got to keep your hope alive. You got to know you can survive. This is your time.